Welcome to Super Bowl Fever! Who, 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 Super Bowl, baby! Woo! This time we're coming to you all the way from San Diego in 1998, where the Packers are hungry for a win. Led by Brett Favre, they are favored by 11 points <laughs> to take this championship. But John Elway and the Broncos are hungry for it. Mm, hungry. By the way, I've never once in my entire life thought John Elway was a black guy. You probably did that. Anyway, we are here to... Nope, he's not. <laughs> We're here to cover this <laughs> epic game. The AFC is on a 13-year losing streak. The last time they won the Super Bowl was sometime in the 80s. I didn't look it up. 13 years before 1998 would be 1985. But as we all know... Because we're going through every Super Bowl chronologically. The Broncos kill it, breaking that losing streak. Mm, snapped and it. Taking the win. We're going to go through it play by play. This week on Super Bowl Fever. the Bahamas, we are warm and you are cold. Unless someone real decides to sponsor us, this is Boy Meets World Fever, and I'm one of your hosts, Cameron. And I'm your other host, Chance. We're just brought to you by all the Bahamas. Just all of them. Not the Bahamas Tourism Association, just but just the Bahamas. The Bahamas. <laughs> they wrote me a check. What can I say? We are warm and you, you are cold. Hey. We are warm and you are uh, cold. Um, yeah, so as you know from that opening, we are um, just a just a couple of, of sports heads. Real, just football fanatics. Uh, I didn't Ball study... nuts. No, that's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not. That's just, that's not even a double entendre. That's just the same thing twice. Um, I didn't study a Wikipedia page very in-depth. To make that intro happen. <laughs> and then click on uh, the name John Elway and see that he's a white guy and figure out for the very first time that he's not black. <laughs> and you channeled The Rock there at the start of this year's Super Bowl. I don't know if you really watched it. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, he was like the hype man of the Super Bowl and kind of oh. did what you just did. So it's funny that you just kind of yes. intuited that. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and me in sync. We are trying to get him on here. So <laughs> I think you have a similar energy when you want it. <laughs> um, it's funny. I don't know why I've always thought John Elway was a black guy. I don't know either. I used to have a beach towel that had him on it. Oh. I don't know why. <laughs> Zero idea why that existed and why we owned it, but we did. Um, and if uh, I got anything wrong in that intro, your issue is not with me. It's with Wikipedia. Mm, um, we all have issues with Wikipedia. Before we get started, before we get started, this halftime show, this halftime 1998? show. Yeah. Who do you think was it is? Was that Michael Jackson? No. When was that one? I'm not sure. But let me let me get do this one while I got it pulled up. Boys to Men. Oh. Smokey Robinson. Mm. The Temptations. Wow. Martha Reeves. Who I don't know as well, mm-hmm. granted. Featuring Queen Latifah. That sounds like a nice show. I would watch the heck out of that show. It can't be bad. 
when was Michael Jackson? It must have been earlier than that. Um, let's see. List of Super Bowl halftime shows history. Um, we'll go to '98 real quick, and then we'll just kind of mess around from there. Um, okay, so there's that one. The year before that was the Blues Brothers. <laughs> uh, ZZ Top, James Brown, and Catherine. Cr- I would watch that one too. Um, Dana Ross. The year before that, she got Super Bowl Triple X all by itself. Wow. I thought Eric was making a joke. About Super Bowl XXX, because like, oh, it's like porn, mm-hmm. but he says XX. I went back and looked. So that's not even like that great of a joke, because that's not like the one that they just had. Uh, It'd be funny if he's like, the Super Bowl 21, he's like, this is the best Super Bowl since Super Bowl 20. Yeah, but it, this was Super Bowl... Maybe Super Bowl 20 was a really good Super Bowl. Yeah, this was Super Bowl 32. Michael mm. Jackson was in 1993. Mm, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Let's see what... Let's let's get the lowdown on Super Bowl XX real quick. Uh, let's see, Patriots uh, versus the Bears. The Bears. Uh, the Bears win. I didn't know the Bears had any Super Bowls. Shows what you know. Oh. <laughs> I was about to say I've never claimed to know anything, but I actually just claimed to know a lot. But our listeners know that's a lie. Mm-hmm. He has claimed to know much. All of that information was memorized in short term. It's not going to make the trek to long term. So Hopefully the John Elway thing. Yeah, that's true. A little, a little, uh... You know, XX is kind of a blowout. Bears 46 and were favored. Um, beat the Patriots to 10. So, like, it wasn't a big upset. The, page, or the Bears blow them out. What's exciting about this? All right, so that's all for Super Bowl fever. See you guys next week. <laughs> all of us here. Hut, hut, hike. Ooh. That would be a good end to a Super Bowl or any sort of football podcast. Maybe our next podcast should be Super Bowl Fever, where you and I, people who know zilch about Super Bowls, watch every last one. Mm -hmm. They got to be somewhere. (laughs) Someone's got to have the tape. Someone's got to. What are you going to watch the the next following Monday in the locker room? Like when you meet in the locker room with the coach and watch the game tape. We will be like, and then they, they made a play. And then they made another one. And then, get, you know, never get this. They throw the ball. And wait, wait, he catches it. And it, it was amazing. And then we'll get really animated and excited to talk about the halftime show. And then we'll go back to like, and then the other guy threw the... <laughs> this time, they tried to run the ball. And they lost two yards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, just because we have a great killer intro for Super Bowl Fever and a great killer outro for Super Bowl Fever, maybe the that... middle isn't there. It's like we have the two, we have the two Oreo cookies, but we don't got that cream. No, no, sorry, all you, uh, you sports heads out there. And we know there are one at least, maybe two. Yeah, I feel like we've got a few. Yeah, we have like a few. I'm sure there's more than we know. Um, if you're out there and you're like, Super Bowl Twenty was the most B.A. Super Bowl ever, tell me why. Because nothing in the initial, like, looking at it looked all that exciting. No, not really. No. Um, but they know. That's not what we're here to talk about anymore. We're going to put this topic to bed. Actually, we're going to come back to the Super Bowl because it's like, a major plot point this, in this the episode. This whole episode is about the, <laughs> I mean, not about the specifics. Soup or bowl. Okay, soup. Okay, soup. <laughs> Let's talk about soup. Um, I guess I will give us the synop. Okay, you're just going to blow that off. That's fine. Synopsis. 
Oh, you wanted to really talk about soup? <laughs> no, it's too late. Go ahead. Um, lentil soup is just vastly underrated. It is. Let's continue, though. Oh, okay. Cameron didn't really want to ma- talk about it. He wanted to make me feel bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I succeeded. Um, but yes, so we are here to cover um, episode 15? Uh, no, it's like 13. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, episode we 13. Uh, we're here to cover episode 13, The Redacted, because it is uh, racially insensitive. You'll say the Inuk. Well, but even that is kind of like generalizing. There's more tribes. Oh, well, that's true. There. But as a general term. Yeah. We can get into it. He's of the Inuit tribe, they say. But I mean, oh, he, okay, so he would so be he, an Inuk. Yes, the Inuk. Um, and Inuks are not always standing in the way of Sean. Um, they are a lovely people with their own culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might be standing in the way of Sean. Uh-huh. So. But. Um, we're here to cover the redacted. The Inuk. <laughs> Um, so uncomfortable. Anyway, um, the boys get an assignment back, and Sean didn't do his, so Corey interjects. He's like, I did the assignment for both of us, and then Feeney is nice and gives them both Ds, which I feel like they do not deserve. Um, and then they're brats, and so Feeney gives them an assignment about the Super Bowl, and he tells Topanga to butt out. Somebody has to. Hilarity ensues. It is pretty funny. It's a good episode. And there's some the Jack and Eric of it all, too, which I enjoyed. We'll talk about it. <clears throat> this is a Jack and Eric plot that I like. Yes. We'll talk about it. Okay. Well, of course. That's why we're here. We'll get, we'll get into it. Um, I have a question to start this one off. Mm-hmm. Is this the most quintessential episode of Boy Meets World? I don't know. It might be. Like, I feel like it's got everything that people think a Boy Meets World episode has. That we've actually very rarely seen. We've got the kids in school at all, mm-hmm. which has basically fallen by the wayside entirely this season. Uh-huh. It rarely happens. Um, we have the kids expressing a problem that they don't even know they have. Feeney using an assignment to teach them a lesson through the problem. Mm-hmm. We have Eric being an idiot, like a comedic idiot, not like a idiot savant. He's actually a genius idiot, but like just an mm-hmm. idiot. Just idiot. an idiot, idiot. And we have, like, him dating, Jack dating. Yeah. Um, Alan and Amy are there at the end. Yeah, Alan and Amy exist. So does Morgan. Um, It's pretty funny. Yeah, I just... Is this the most quintessential episode of Boy Meets World? It talks about college and Mm -hmm. class differences. (laughs) Sort of, yeah. Um, Not in the same way. Not to the same level, but a little bit. But I'm glad at the start when I was like, oh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. This old chestnut. They didn't beat that drum the whole time. Yeah. It was less about class and more about other things. We'll get into Challenges it. of life. But when I was watching it, I was like, this is just so Boy Meets World. Like, this isn't Eric and Jack have an A plot and the kids have a B plot. This isn't like what we've really come to expect, which is like poorly done relationship drama. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, in the school, focuses on the three, everyone else is a B character, Feeney's teaching the lesson, this is what Boy Meets World is. Mm-hmm. Or what it should be. A lot That's of what I would like for it to be. More of this. Hey, you liked last week's episode. I did. But I want some of that and more of this. <laughs> like, I did enjoy last week's episode, but not if that was the whole show. Never go to school in last week's episode. No. Really, I'm starting to think they go to senior year one one day a week. <laughs> yeah, and they're about to go on a trip. 
I think that's oh, the yeah, next yeah. episode. But they're not at school in oh, that my. one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So here we are, Easter's Eve. Let's talk about it. By the time you listen, Easter will be far in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. But we are recording this on Easter Eve, which I'm sure has a liturgical day associated Holy with Holy Saturday. Oh, okay. Not quite as fun as, you know, Maundy Thursday or Good Friday. Yeah, Good Friday kind of has a ring to it. And like Easter, of course. But Holy Saturday is just kind of like whatever. Yeah, you know, it's nice. Saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, I'm celebrating Holy Saturday like Jesus and not waking up. Ooh, didn't know that was an option. That'd be a really nice way to kind of celebrate, you know. It's true. Jesus didn't get up today. Why should I? I have developed a new tradition just now. (laughs) The day before Easter is nap day. Yeah, you don't get out of bed. I am here fully clothed, feeling like a fool. Mm -hmm. I should be wrapped in nothing but linen. Wrapped in linen and laying in a hole in the ground. A cave, more likely. Well, what is is my home but a hole in the ground? A hobbit? Basically a hobbit. Basically a hobbit. Um, But I don't want to fast. No. Hmm. Anyway. (laughs) Yes, I did not mean for us to talk about Easter. You brought it up. I I know. I, but I said, here we are, Easter's Eve. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. So let's let's do get Let, into it. Let's get into this school scene where Vini is very generous, like beyond generous mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's passing out their papers. Um, he's making comments about them, particularly that Sean's isn't there. Mm-hmm. Corey starts to you know do his thing where he's covering for Sean. Yes, Vini uh, starts the FERPA violation polka. Mm-hmm. One could say. Yes, another quintessential Boy Meets World <laughs> thing that I just really missed. <laughs> Mr. Feeney, you monster. A student's grades are their information only. And why does he... We'll get into it. Just you wait. But he's passing them out. And he's like, and yours was missing. I noticed as I was grading them that yours was missing. Mr. Hunter. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then Corey chimes in that, you know, they just think alike so much that he just did it for both of them. Mm-hmm. And so Feeney's like, well, okay, then I think you should share a grade. He's like, this is well thought out, well re- like researched. It's like B. <laughs> and Sean's like, more than fair. He's like, so we'll split that in half and a D for both of you. Which, when you look at the letters, that works. Because if you rip a B in half, you have two Ds. But if you're talking <laughs> percentage-wise, a B ripped in half is like a 40. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, I was like, shut up, Corey. Like, you, you're taking a D to get your friend a D instead of an F. Like... Mm-hmm. Neither of them deserved that grade. No. Corey deserved the B. Sean deserved a zero. It's like, Corey, your plan worked. <laughs> like, why are you complaining? But but he does. He's uh-huh. like, oh, this is a fear of a way to bread. <laughs> and... <laughs> what a... What a... What's the word when you... An impression. <laughs> It was like you were sitting next to Ben Savage. My brain is celebrating Holy Saturday. It never woke up this morning. <laughs> That's fair. My body did, but my brain's still in bed. Yeah, you gotta get your kids on board with that one. Mm-hmm. That's the tough part. When they're teenagers, I think I could. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Guys were celebrating Jesus being in the tomb by just staying in bed today. Good day. Cool. Um, Here's you some crackers and grape juice. <laughs> Remember, Jesus was pierced for you or something, whatever. Go to bed. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm too tired. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Feeney's like, fine, you don't like your D, you get an F. And Topanga, who has no business talking here, yeah, she's like, Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney, don't fail them. Why not, Topanga? They deserve to be fair. Death follows you around for the rest of your life, I, which it super doesn't. I uh, legitimately laughed out loud when I heard that. <laughs> an F? What are you talking about, Topanga? Like, no, especially an F one on one paper in high school. Yeah, it does. Nobody nothing. cares. I'll always remember. I've probably brought this up on this very episode on this very show. I'm not sure, um, but I'll always remember. The episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I caught like kind of mid high school where <clears throat> she's like, she's got a job working for the school in season seven. And she's like, Where did they keep my permanent record? And the principal's like, You're what? Like, my permanent record. And he's like, Oh, that's a myth. That doesn't actually exist. He's like, No, like the record of your grades and how many times you got suspended and all that. And the guy's like, we don't even start tracking that stuff permanently until you get into high school. And even then, we just we just get your GPA mm-hmm. and major and major end of the year grades compiled. So if you need a high school transcript, we can give it to you. He's like, there is no permanent record of everything you've ever done. And I was in high school and I believed in the permanent record. And I was like, is this true? Everything I believed is a lie. So I went, um, this was early 2000s, and I went and asked Jeeves if there was a permanent record. Um, <laughs> and what did Jeeves recover for thee, my lord? Um, I learned that no, there is no permanent record. He is right. They don't even track your grades until you get into high school. Like, the way you have done in middle school, grade school, none of it matters. No one gives a flying crap. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's just so interesting, though, just while we're on the subject of grades. Because I teach fifth grade right now. Mm-hmm. And there's so much where it's like, I have students do an assignment, they're like, is this for a grade? And I'm like, why should it matter? Like, why are you being driven by that? Like, you should just do do it. Because, like, I'm expecting you to do it. Like, I think it's interesting. I'm not giving you something that's, like, boring to do. Not, this is not just busy work. Like This is helping you grow as a person in some way. Mm-hmm. So don't ask me, like, is this for a grade? Because it's for now. Like you, you just need to do it. Yeah. Like Just trust me, please. Next time they say that, just be like, no one cares what you made in fifth grade. You can make all Fs. No one cares. <laughs> Their parents might care. <laughs> they shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I just remember like asking Jeeves that and realizing the answer and being like, I've been lied to. I don't care about my schoolwork very much, but now I super don't care about it. Yeah, I don't think you were a model student <laughs> before that, Chance. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, that permanent record. So yeah, I, I literally laughed out loud. An F follows you for the rest of your life. What I didn't know, what I should have known, is... N- they don't even look at your grades anymore once you're 23. It's just yes or no, did you complete your high school diploma? Yeah, I know when I did, when I applied for my master's degree, I had to like send them a transcript, but mm-hmm. it was just proof that I did it. Yeah, just proof that you did it. And like for my job now, I'm getting my certification updated with my 
master's degree, I needed to get a transcript sent then. But again, that's just like a... They wanted your high school transcript? No, no, my just... high school. Just my, my master's transcript. Okay. Like, they want that just like proof that you did it. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. You don't just want people saying that they did it. But again, that's just like bureaucratic tape. Yeah. You have to maneuver your way around. Yeah, but your GPA and grades... They don't care what grades I got on any of my classes. No. It, they don't... What, college admission after you're 23 does not check your GPA and grades unless you're in like conflict with other people who need the spot. But they have spots set aside for like older students going to school for the first time. Mm-hmm. So that... 23. Old. Well, older for a student. You're washed up at that point. Um. So they're actually not in direct competition with like fresh high school people. So it's all it's often much less competition to get in to a school through the system. So they literally do not care. They need your transcript to determine what classes you need because sometimes you could have done AP or like concurrent stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Stuff um, that will matter for what classes you need to take. Yeah, or don't need to take. Yeah. So they'll do it for stuff like that. Um, but they don't. They do not give a crap what your GPA is. Neither do we. <laughs> so not only is a before college permit record crap, but like even after twenty three, they don't care. It's true. It's true. But anyway, Feeny, like they're being whiny babies, and Feeny's just like gets this look on his face, and then Corey's like, it's it's just like we talked about. <laughs> look on his face. He's about to blow, and Feeny's just like. Everyone leave except you two. Yeah. And then Topanga's like, Mr. Feeney, can't you just, like, you don't have to do this. And she's like, you stay too. Or, You're busy body or something. Uh-huh. Um, he's like, "Stay, you stay too. You. Uh-huh. Whatever it is. The, the only thing I think is busy body, but that's not what he says. He says, um, you insolent whelp. <laughs> That's what she should have said. And they are. They're being very bratty. They're like, you didn't even have anything left to teach us. And they're We're like, this senior year. What else could we possibly learn? We got to go to college. <laughs> it's like, what do you think you're going to do there? Yes. You're uh, going to learn. But at this moment, the reason I bring it up is that Corey said something that will affect the timeline. Uh-huh. So bring up the timeline again. That was all the papers. I need to pull it down again. Okay. Okay. There we go. Um, that was my stick. Yes. In the timeline. We know, we know mm-hmm. that they entered this high school as seventh graders. Insignificant specs. Mm-hmm. I just circled it. Uh, we know that Eric also entered this school as a seventh grader and graduated as a senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is here. a how many year school? This would be six years. Corey says, we've been here for four years. Now, we know why they have only been there four years. Because they have. Because I mean, we've tracked it. Yeah, we've tracked it. Up to this point. They have. We know that they have only been there four years. But do the characters also know? This is my question. Because Corey knows that he got there in seventh grade. But Corey knows that four years later, he is graduating as a senior. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Do the are the characters aware of the time displacement and the sentence of Judge Lamb that collapsed two years into one? Mm-hmm. Are they aware of it and just don't think it's a big deal? What if? Because we know, well, we know there was the night the lights went out in Philadelphia that propelled them forward a year. Yes, which made their seventh grade year their eighth grade year, mm-hmm. and then we had the Judge Lamb condensing of 
sophomore and junior years into one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if there is this third... Because so, when Judge Lamb altered the timeline, mm-hmm. I feel like that requires some... Almost like a gardener to kind of prune things and nip things away. To make things just work. Because time is, time is tricky. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe it's like his bailiff. Maybe he has like a whole army of bailiffs. But this one is the gardener. And he's kind of overseeing the timeline. And you're just not really allowed to think about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you think about it, he's there and kind of nips Snips that in the away. bud. And then you're just like, yes, I've been here four years. Yeah, that I, makes sense. I've been in. I've been, I've been in here six, four years, I've, and that's how long you're here. Yeah, I have been in a four-year school or a six-year school for four years, and that makes perfect sense. It makes to sense me. that I started in seventh grade. I'm now in twelfth grade, and it's been four years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gardener is tending his garden. Yeah, twelve to eighteen. That's four years mm-hmm. to him. To him. Um, yeah, he's just he's just not able to think of it in such terms. But he, so he is aware of the actual timeline. He just doesn't know why it happens, nor does he think about or care mm-hmm. why it he, happens. He can't. There's an otherworldly force that's preventing him from doing so. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's just like any sort of fantasy where there people are like trapped in a world like uh, you haven't seen it, but Wandavision, mm-hmm. where it's like they're sort Their of stuck here, but they can't. They can't. They have no concept of a world beyond the town where they live in. Mm-hmm. Because of the magic that's in play, love it. And so, and the, but then the outside world, like that town, should exist but doesn't, and they can't figure out why. Pleasantville, sort of. Pleasantville before the sex. <clears throat> oh, naturally, <laughs> actually, sex ruins everything, or opens the world. Yeah, opens you to the color in the world. Uh, yes, out there, everyone, I do know Pleasantville is about way more than sex, but it was a funnier to say it my way. But it's not not about sex. Well, yeah, sex is a big part of it, too. Racism allegories. Though I think the racism allegories, in hindsight, of Pleasantville are way overstated. I think it's more about emotional honesty than it is about racism allegory. They do use a lot of racism imagery. Mm -hmm. But that's not the point they're trying to make. Anyway. Who can say? Anyway, we're still in the first scene. Yeah, but we've talked about a lot of really interesting things. Yes. But... Now Mr. Feeney is pretty upset. Yeah. He's like, Topanga again tries to say something. He's like, you butt out of this. Mm-hmm. I think butt out is what he says. Well, he says something. He, he calls her a name when he tells her to stay. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it Whatever is. Whatever it is. And then she's like, you yelled at me. But, but I'm Topanga. <laughs> Which is funny. Uh-huh. And then, um, but he's getting into it and Corey's saying something and he yells at Corey. And he's like, you yelled at me. But I'm Topanga. Yeah, Corey says, says it again. <laughs> um, comedy rule of twos. There, it does come back again, I know. actually. So, I know. the three. Um, <laughs> a concept we have admitted for several episodes now. We do not understand. In a row. In a row. <laughs> three times in a row. So, we have to put it to bed. <laughs> According to our own rule, we cannot talk about it again. <laughs> According to our own misguided understanding, we're going to do this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That, that's white privilege right there. <laughs> yes, we're just going to make it work. Um, anyway. Uh, no chance. It's pretty privilege. <laughs> Have you seen us? Mm, we're gorgeous. <laughs> Our listeners don't know. It's true. I'm not going to tell you to picture us. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Feeney starts Handsome writing on the Fabio's. board. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I was going to make that joke and I chose not to. <laughs> I was going to say, picture Fabio with muscles. <laughs> That's basically us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Feeney starts writing on the board. Not even sure what he's writing. He's just like, he just writes on the board in anger, I guess. Mm-hmm. And John's just like, this is this is impossible. Like, or Feeney's telling him he has to get his paper written by five o'clock that afternoon mm-hmm. and take it to Feeney's house, which is a little unorthodox from a teaching standpoint. But he's there all the time, yeah. So and that makes sense. He's like, that's impossible. You might as well ask me to get two tickets to the Super Bowl. You see, that's what Feeney was writing on the board was the word impossible. Yeah, but like, it doesn't do nothing he was just anger writing i'm mad i'm gonna write the word impossible because that's what you're being right now yeah uh he's writing the word impossible because shauna said that people like him don't go to college which i feel like we've we've touched on this so many times already in the show yeah though i think the show actually has a point this time where it hasn't had a point in the past Mm -hmm. that like the world is kind of stacked against people like sean Mm-hmm. You know, with there's oh, the Inuits in the way. With, oh, poor Inuits! They're not in the way, but the metaphorical ones. Yes, um, because of the one literal one that's in the way. <laughs> in a little bit, yeah. But the deck, the deck is stacked. I mean, people are like, "Well, he's poor, so I'll probably get a free ride." Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't buy f- food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't necessarily and buy housing. Also, with his grades, probably not get a free ride. I feel like especially in the 90s, it was a lot of loans. Yeah, there'd be, there would probably be a lot of loans. Sometimes if, you're, if you can get into school, you can get some really good stuff just because... Yeah, and it kind of depends on what you're studying, too. Yeah. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things, but like he's at a disadvantage no matter what. Like Even, even beyond the like financial disadvantages, the, the grade disadvantages, like he's also at the disadvantage where I, I, I always think... One of the things that I went through was that how can school be important when, like, everything's falling apart around you? Mm -hmm. Like, do you think Sean really cares all that much about, like, a calculus paper when he doesn't know the next time he'll see his parents? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of disadvantages. There's a lot of things in someone like Sean's way, both obvious and, like, not obvious. Mm-hmm. Yes, just a lot of obstacles. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the show is actually making a good point that Sean seeing himself this way is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Be reasonable, but also he can sure do something about it. Sure, maybe. yeah, maybe or he has the opportunity to do something about it. I mean, yeah, the American dream is a lot easier to see from the other side. Uh-huh. As you can pull yourself <laughs> up, look at me up here. Yeah. Like, the the show takes that point, and I'm not going to fault it for it. And, like, it's easy for, like, us, even even me, to sit here and say, like, oh, Sean can make it happen. But, like, this is a lot easier to see from the other mm-hmm. side. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier to somehow end up at the Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah, than to actually get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. Man, even today, I don't... I feel like this is relevant. Maybe it's not. Even today, like... I was with Nikki, my fiance's whole family, and like I'm just like I don't know what to do with this. Like, like I don't. What 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 do you do with a family? <laughs> like, like it is so alien to me that I don't even know the right questions I should ask to make it not alien. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was just sitting there like 
kind of shutting down because I'm like, what do you do in this situation? How do you talk to people like this? Like, I just don't. It's it's so alien to me. And even that is like, I don't even function like a normal human being. Like, yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you. You really don't. <laughs> Uh, well, I just, I kind of feel like that's kind of how Sean's feeling right now. It's like, mm. there's this, like, insurmountable, and e- even Nikki at one point was like, well, you just engage with them. I'm like, but, like, how? Like, it's easy to say from someone who has something to engage with them about. Oh, you've got something, I'm sure. The economy. <laughs> well, it's gas prices, huh? I, I... So, Biden's the Antichrist, eh? <laughs> that... that might get you some, that might get you some mileage. That probably would have gotten me somewhere. I mean, let's go, Brandon. Am I right? <laughs> no, but no, that that is not us. It would have got maybe gotten me. Something. It had gotten them some talking points, but yeah. So I'm just saying, like, I feel like it's I feel like it's easier from the the person who's there to be like, anything's possible, or he can make it happen. It's like, but it, in the moment when you're on when you're on the losing side, you're like, okay, is it though? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's a nice thought. Um, Buffini gives them an assignment, mm-hmm. all three. Sean has to get two tickets for the Super Bowl by, he has a week mm-hmm. to get them. Corey has to, or Topanga has to completely stay out of it mm-hmm. and butt out. And Sh- Corey has to have help them both succeed. If either one of them fails. If either one of them fails, he fails. So he's stuck in the middle, as he often is, trying to please everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of a brilliant assignment when you really think about it. Not exactly ethical. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. But I will say, Feeney doesn't exactly tell them what he will or will not fail. Uh-huh. Like, he doesn't say, it's like, like, you're you, going to get an F in the grade book. He's just like, you fail. Yeah, he just says you fail. And he doesn't say, like, you fail an assignment or you fail the whole semester. Or you anything. fail at life. So, but it's kind of it's kind of a brilliant setup for them to learn something. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all kind of asked to do the opposite of what Feeney wants them to do in, yes. in certain ways. So it's a it's it's a good teaching moment, Feeney. Maybe not ethical to do on your actual students in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But good TV. But it's it's dang good TV. Uh-huh. So we have that assignment. Then we cut to Eric and Jack. They're sitting on the balcony. But Eric's sitting on Eric the is, and then Jack comes out. <laughs> and Jack is like, so how was your date last night? And Eric starts giving the details. He's like, there's some quaint pre-dinner conversation, then ate at a quaint little Mexican place that I know, and we came back here, and let's just say my clothes were off in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And Jack's like, you open your big mouth. She left. You ate a Taco Bell. <laughs> and you... uh Came home and sat in your underwear in the dark by 8 o'clock. Well, you, and you were out by 8 o'clock. Out by 8 o'clock. And he's like, yep. And he's like, how'd you do? Not as good. <laughs> That's my favorite part of that whole exchange. Yeah. Actually, this very conversation, I am not going to be super negative on this plot. I'm not. But I think the episode would be better without this plot. Mm-hmm. I think everything we get from Jack and Eric here is fun and funny and enjoyable but every time it came up i was like let's get back to the other thing now it's, it's pretty standard yeah it's pretty like kind of a non-standard a plot yeah well but also also very standard it's like exactly what you want yeah it's like i wanted the a plot so much that this pretty good b plot was just kind of like getting in my way and it only pops up three times mm-hmm. 
So <clears throat> I can I can forgive it, but at the same time, I was just like, I don't. I wish you were in another episode so mm-hmm. I could care about you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I was so engaged with the a plot that like, and this was funny, but not like hilarious. Mm-hmm. It was uh-huh. kind of heartwarming, but not like not like a real tearjerker or anything. Uh-huh. Like, didn't pull it, pull at your heartstrings necessarily. Um, and it was a conflict, but it kind of wasn't a conflict. So I was like, mm, okay, yes, but they're just like, how are we ever gonna like find someone? So we can't just like call out to someone on the street mm-hmm. or whatever. And then they like look down, like, hey, you, yeah, <laughs> you wanna go on a date? Yeah. Um, let me finish my thought real quick. Oh, sorry. Just because I have to. So, what I was going to say is, this was my favorite part of this whole thing. Because that joke of the whole Taco Bell thing. <laughs> not as good. And the not as good is very funny. But yes, um, they decide they need to find people like them mm-hmm. who they are really compatible with to be their soulmates. And they can't just find them anywhere randomly. Right, and then they just shout off the balcony. Yeah, to... to and it seems like they don't even catch the people they were initially trying to catch because <laughs> they're like, "Hey, you? No, not you. Well, okay, yeah, you." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, so you oh, okay. ended on someone entirely different." Um, do we just want to go? Let's just finish theirs. Yeah. Um, so we see they've like gone out with them. It's the next date, and Eric is just like, "This is this is great. We've like never been here before." And Jack's like, "How do you know?" And he's like, "Because they agreed to go out with us again." Yeah, um, yeah. This is big because they agreed to go out with this uh-huh. the second time. Jack is like, I don't know. I got to study. Like, I have an exam on Monday. That I need to study for Monday exam. No, thank you. Sounds terrible. Yeah, it does. Um, but they're they're coming up, so they they do come. Um, they're Eric, <laughs> Jack asks Eric what he's studying. He's like, it doesn't even matter because when you join the CIA, they take care of you for life mm-hmm. or kill you. Um, but then the the women come to the door and they come in. Um, and we realize they're basically just female versions of Jack and Eric. Yes, with the with the Jack woman with Eric and the Eric, Eric woman, woman with Jack. Jack. Um, <laughs> yeah, and she's like, I can't stay out too late. I've got a stu- I've got an exam on Monday, and Jack's like, I bought uh, got us reservations for a nice little French place. Seven courses. They only have four tables, mm-hmm. and. The girl's like, I want tacos. And Eric's like, I love tacos. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, he has reservations. And then both both Jack and the girl are like, we can't just show up. We can't just not show up, man. Yeah. And then both Eric and the other girl are like, taco. Mm-hmm. Which is what we've also seen from Corey. It must be a Matthews thing. It must be a Matthews thing. Taco. Pointing to their mouth. And, and yeah, so we get to see like... They're mirror images of each other. They go to the they go to the elevator and they're like, "So, Jill, tell me about yourself." And she's like, "Well, um, I have a sister, um, but we were when our parents got divorced, we were separated most of our lives, and we reconnected when I came to Pembroke. When I came to Pembroke, they're like, I know, weird story, right? And they're both like, "Yeah, yeah, unbelievable." <laughs> and like, oh, and what are you studying? Oh, doesn't really matter. In the CIA, they take care of you for life. Or kill you. Yeah, and then Eric like perks up, or, and she goes, or they kill you. <laughs> and so the girls get on the elevator, and the boys have a little confab. They, they want to switch. Jack and Jill, how did they not see it earlier? And Eric's like, yeah, Eric and Carol, too. <laughs> he like doesn't see it. Eric still. doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, Eric and Carol. Um, so they decide they're just going to switch them. Um, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Uh, so 
you know, you'd think they would sit down at whatever dinner they're going to, explain this um, mm-hmm. over over a nice meal, be like, hey, we think we're actually more compatible with um, the other. Um, are you okay with this? Like, let's talk it out. No. We cut to a third date because they are in different clothes. Uh-huh. And they just kind of <laughs> switch, switch <laughs> without talking to the women. Yep. They just... They, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Eric is being very close to Carol. Yes, very inappropriate. And she's just like, you're really close to me and I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, do you? And she's like, yes, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you're you're correct and he's just like you're getting closer you're way too close and then eric is talking to jack is talking talking to jill and just like you love this and this it's like we're so like compatible you want to live in an unfurnished apartment and lay on the floor and read the sunday times book review while your lover rubs your bare feet she's like yeah (laughs) Um, is it is it weird how rich people fetishize like poor people things? Uh, like an unfurnished apartment. <laughs> yeah. Just not having anything. How fun is how fun is that? How how quaint and fun would an Charming. unfurnished apartment be? And then like me, I've never been able to furnish a single apartment I've ever lived in. If it doesn't come furnished, it stays that way. Yeah, well, no, I've, yeah, I've just, I had a papasan for a while that I put in the middle of a living room with a basket I turned over and a TV on it. <laughs> I've lived that way in a several apartments. You gotta do what you gotta do. Um, Those papasans, I tell you. I was just like... Dangerous chairs. I was just like, I've, it's, it's, it, it works. Hey, you're still alive, man. Like I literally just had that thought about rich people <laughs> fetishizing, um, poor people things. But anyway, uh-huh. but he's just like we're like peanut butter and jelly. No, we're like jelly and jelly. And she's just like, what <laughs> is happening? And then Carol's like, Jack, I'm very uncomfortable. And she comes over, and they're just like, what is going on? And Eric's like, we were just switching you around. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then it just kind of it all falls apart. Yeah. Is, she's like, why do I want to spend all time, all that time with me? I uh, spend all day with me already. I thought you seemed like fun. And and then she goes, and who would make a jelly and jelly sandwich? It's tedious and redundant. And Eric turns to Carol, we can look those words up together. She's like, I want to have someone who can just tell me what those words mean. <laughs> um, and then the girls rightfully storm out. Mm-hmm. And the not, not storm out because of their idea, storm out because of their very poor execution. Mm-hmm. Um, and really creepy demeanor. Yes. But they should have left. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons they should have left. Mm-hmm. And then the guys are like, We learned something valuable today. And then they go to bed. Uh-huh. And then the, the cuts to the women right outside the door, and they're just like, Can't. The boys are like, well, You know, in the universe, like we just got to wait for the universe to put the right people in our path. And then it cuts to them outside the door, like, I can't believe they didn't come after us. The idiots. Yeah, I didn't really get that joke. I still don't. I think it's just because they're like, I guess the lesson here is we just got to wait for the right thing to come along. And it's like, no, the lesson is you should go after it. Well, but after something like that, you you don't go There's after There's no recovery. It. There isn't recovery. But I also think it's funny because, as you know, and as our listeners know, I've watched a whole lot of community in the last year. Sure. Um, 
And in the later seasons, what's something that's really funny about Community is that they're always like, the characters are trying to make a lesson out of just life where there's not a lesson. It just is. And they're always like, I guess the lesson is this. Or, you know, we were learning, we learned this lesson. And it's like, that's not really the, the point. <laughs> Like the point isn't trying to learn this lesson. The point is just that it is. And that's kind of what it is here, where it's like you're just trying to rationalize maybe even your crappy behavior by like, I learned a lesson. <laughs> it's like, but you didn't really. You, you didn't, though. Uh-huh. Who are your favorite community ships? Um, that's a good question. It's it's um un maybe not unpopular, but I really like in one episode there's a Abed Annie mm-hmm. kind of thing that I thought was fun. I know Jeff and Annie gets a lot of uh, traction. I'm a Jeff and Annie man. Jeff Annie. Yeah, and a Brittany and Troy. Britt and Troy? Britt and Troy. Britt and Troy was so boring. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Britt and Troy fan. Okay, good for you. Um, hmm, yeah. That's probably the ones. I just like Troy and Abed and Annie together. Troy Bedani. Troy Bedani. I think they're a great, they're great friends. Uh-huh. Which is fine. Just leave it at that. Troy Bedani. I, am, I want... I want Fanfic ships Troy, here. Troy Bed. Troy, Troy Bed. and Abed. Yeah, that's probably the most popular. I ship. bet we could. I need to read some more Boy Meets World <laughs> fanfic, but I bet we could find some pretty steamy Troy and Abed fanfic over oh, and on. Uh, Britain uh, Annie fanfic is going to be everywhere. Oh, I'm sure. Um, those are the only ships in community that Jeff I and like. Pierce. <laughs> Jeff and Pierce, you say? Um, Pierce is the thing that Jeff is scared of turning into. Yeah, that's true. Jeff and the Dean. That is fun. Jeff, Jeff and the Dean ship. What's Dean got to do with it? I, I found myself watching the show, which I'm not finished yet. Um, we haven't started the, the gas leak season. Oh, that's the Troy and Britta season. Oh, okay. See, I haven't gotten there. So, yeah. My Troy and Britta is very different. Because mm-hmm. um, you haven't seen it in action. I didn't know that, that it got an action. You've actually no. spoiled this for me. I'm so sorry. See, in my mind, Troy and Britta is all about Britta fi- trying to fi- trying to find deeper meaning in Troy and like trying to fix Troy of like trauma that actually ends up not being trauma and not needing. Well, there is that episode that is about that. Yeah. See, in my mind that that that's the basis of their relationship. And I think that's a fun dynamic. Um, her need to be a fixer and my emotions, my emotions. Um, but yes, I, I found, I find myself most invested in who Annie should end up with. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like, you deserve a good guy, Annie. You go. But I don't mm-hmm. like her with Troy or Abed. Well, I like her with Abed in the one episode where they're kind of a thing. The paintball one? Yeah. Where he's being Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. But other times I don't. No. That, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, that's that plot. Before we continue on to the main plot, though. No. Sleep, sleep till Bobka. I'm just going to do it once. No. Sleep till Bobka. Chance is going to do it the second time. This is Yeasty Boys, a podcast within a podcast about all things bread. Mm-hmm. We tell you all our thoughts on bread because we really want to eat her. This is that song, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on God. Oh, yeah. Because I really want to meet her. Because you really want to eat. Okay, I got you. I'm, I'm here. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It wasn't that good. But today I'm bringing something that we haven't really talked about before. Kind of two things. One is sort of a, not a bad bread experience, but one that I realized the importance of good bread. And that's when you make hamburgers. Mm. You need a good bun. Because we made hamburgers and the burgers were really good, but we just had like, you know, the dollar bag of buns, like Walmart oh. brand, mm. which is nice for on the budget, but it just can't really support the 
goodness of the burger. But the rolls fresh from the bakery at Walmart, the ones that come in like a pack of four, uh-huh. they're delicious. That, I mean, they're not like specifically for buns, and you have to cut them yourself. They might as well be. Oh, but they're so good. Next time. Um, so that was that. Eat good hamburger buns, people. Mm-hmm. Second thing, though, we've not touched on this world, and that's the wonderful world of donuts. But Ooh. I specifically want to bring my favorite donut, and that is the apple fritter. Interesting. Okay. It I, is my favorite. I, I don't consider the apple fritter a donut. I mean, it's dough, and you fry it. But yes, but do you consider the cinnamon rolls at a donut shop donuts? I think so. Probably the way they prepare them. See, but the apple fritter, I do. Or just apple fritters in general. Maybe it's not technically a donut, but an apple fritter is a gift to the world. Okay. I love um, a good apple fritter. Mm-hmm. But I think what I just like about it, I mean, it's my go-to at the donut shop. Because one, it's not that expensive and it's really big. Mm-hmm. So I feel like your volume, like the price by volume is pretty advantageous. But I just really like how there's so much outside that's like crispy. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of inside that's soft and sometimes a little gooey from the apple mm-hmm. um and it's just it's just perfection it's true um i pass a donut shop on my way to work every day and i get i go there probably two to three times a week gourmet donuts the best donuts in mm-hmm. uh, good. all of norman uh shout outs to you guys um and i always get the exact same order i get two cheddar kolaches and a donut uh-huh. and my donut I, I i'm all over the place mm-hmm. um Pink frosted glazed is That's good. Is a is, is a common one. Uh, I tried the orange uh, frosted glazed just this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was good. I was a little nervous about it. I actually got a pink frosted just in case. <laughs> you don't want to be disappointed. I didn't stuck care. with a bad donut. Um, I often will get a strawberry and a blueberry cake. Um, I do it, love that blueberry donut is the best donut at Dunkin' Donuts. I believe it's that. the only one really worth getting. My wife would say double chocolate. And it's fine, but it's just too much chocolate for me. I, I would, I would tend to agree. Um, but all that to be said, I eat this mu- often, and I normally don't get it just because of the size. But the one that I just cannot get enough of is the cinnamon twist. Oh yeah, the where it's like the twisty donut with cinnamon sugar on it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is well, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's that one. But it's like kind of the best of all worlds. It's like not too sweet, but it's got that cinnamon flavor. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like still like a glazed donut. There's a good amount of it. There's a good amount of it. Mm-hmm. That's cinnamon twist. And in a pinch, the cinnamon old-fashioned is a good substitute for it. Uh, I like a maple long john. Yeah. It's a little sweeter because you have the maple. I One of my more common ones that I get is uh, the maple with nuts on it, actually. Ooh. A maple nut donut. I get that quite often. That sounds good. Um, they used to every day, and they haven't for a long time, but every day they would have a um, pink frosted with coconut flakes that I Ooh. very much enjoyed. Desiccated coconut, eh? Mm-hmm. That's just fun to say. It is. I agree. Um, and occasionally they'll have a, a chocolate with coconut that i'll also get yeah yeah the donut shop by us they don't start doing it as early in the morning as i go but they do filled donuts and you can like choose like they have a few different varieties and then some choices of fillings that i feel like i would like to try sometime Mm. you can do creams or jellies in a variety of flavors i have never tried 
the filled donuts at my donut shop. They don't have that option, and I would love that. I am actually a big fan of the jelly and cream filled donut. I think they are delightful, and mm-hmm. I think haters are going to hate. And haters can step um, to me. But I don't get them ever because I'm always eating them standing up on the go, mm-hmm. which is why I get the order that I do because it's so easily to eat standing just, up on the go. And I just feel like I'm going to make a mess with the filled. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just and you're gonna. on your way to work. It's like, hey, everybody, I'm here for the day. Please respect me as a person. Oh, I've got jelly all over my shirt. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Your words, your your mouth to God's ears. Mm-hmm. That's how it go for me. Um, so yeah, never get them. Would love them. A good uh, what's it, what's it called with the chocolate on top and the cream filling? A Boston cream. A Boston cream, but they've got another name. Bavarian too. cream, chocolate cream. I don't remember. Eclair. Eclair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That's a little different than a donut. Oh, is it? Uh huh. It's something. a different style of dough. It's called a, called a pat a uh, You didn't even know when you brought up donuts. I had so many donut I mean, cakes. I, duh. I know you as a person. Yes. Oh, and uh, the five-year-old that I will soon be the stepdad of. Um, You're not my dad. <laughs> Get ready for that. I'm getting you ready. It's, it's going to happen. Um, he loves the character donuts. Uh-huh. But I have decided that M&M's on a frosted donut is disgusting. Yeah. This donut shop where we do, they do, it's like a dinosaur, mm-hmm. and there's just one M&M for an eye. So they don't overdo it. Uh, Asher loves the Pikachu ones, and they have like bla- like blacker M&Ms for eyes and... The cheeks. Yeah. There's like there's just like a few candies on it, and the few times I've had it with the candy, I'm like... Yeah, this just doesn't seem like it would mix very well. Yeah. It's like two different kinds of sweet. I'm just... I'm not here for it. Candy on donuts. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you crushed up a Heath bar and like put it on a chocolate donut, oh, yeah, that'd that's, be good. That's, that's different. different, though. Yeah, that's just like no, not that different than having nuts on a donut. Yeah, but an M M&M and M is just a bit too much. I don't like M M&M's and M's in my ice cream either. They get too hard. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. It's not good. But anyway, this has been all I think for now of the Yeasty Boys. I could talk more about donuts. We could. But we've, we've still got the good part of the episode left. It's true. Both in terms of quality and quantity. It's true. It's true. You're right. So, from all of us here at EC Boys. No. No. Sleep. Till, till Bobka. Are we doing it a second time? No, just the once. Okay. <laughs> um, so, we find ourselves at the Matthews kitchen table, as we often do. Often. Where Sean and Corey are brainstorming. Mm-hmm. You know, they say there's no bad ideas in brainstorming. Yeah. And Sean puts that to the test. And Corey puts to the test the fact that he just doesn't like to listen to Sean. Um, Sean's idea is perfectly plausible in this world in which and they He really, in. he has no idea how possible his, uh, he's like, he, I can just go plug that microwave in. But, but Sean is a deity. Mm-hmm. We have established that Sean is a deity aware of the craziness. Is he the gardener? He could be. He could unknowingly be the gardener. Mm-hmm. He could be like subconscious, like, oops, snip that thread. Yes. But, <clears throat> but yes, Sean, uh, Sean is aware. So I think he is pitching this idea in good faith. Uh-huh. And Corey's just like, this is nonsense. He basically says, I have four ideas for how to get Super Bowl tickets. Number one, travel back in time to the first Super Bowl when tickets weren't that hard to get. Yeah, and then Corey... 
dismissing this perfectly plausible in the world that they live in idea. Mm-hmm. Let me call up Minkus and see what he's doing. Yeah. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She can cook something uh-huh. up. Um, but no. Corey's like, that's that's good. I don't need to hear the other ideas. And Topanga's like, if you had a time machine, you could go and do this assignment. Then we wouldn't be in this mess. Tra la 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 la. Butting in in musical theater is still butting in. <laughs> Tra la 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 la. Yep. <laughs> then we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> and uh, Sean's like, oh, and that was my second idea. Ask Topanga. Topanga's like, I can't. I'll fail. And they're like, oh, you can fail one time. No, I can't. I've worked very hard to be perfect. Oh, Topanga. Yeah. So she's fallen so far from the season two Topanga. Mm-hmm. Season two Topanga. She's just on a pedestal. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. She's just a well-adjusted, rational, reasonable person. Who's a little weird. A little weird. Who would have valued action over image. Mm Mm-hmm. Now she's just a really boring Hermione Granger. Yeah. I never noticed when I was young because I thought she was so hot. Uh Uh-huh. Now, here we are. We see the truth. In the cold light of day. In the cold light of Easter Eve. Topanga! <laughs> I knew that was coming. Amazing. Um, and they're just like, okay, we've got to think really hard. And then how are we going to get Super Bowl tickets? And then the radio comes on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, all right, get ready to win some Super Bowl tickets. And Topanga hears it and is like, not saying anything, but like motioning, trying to get their attention. They're like, not now, Topanga. Yeah. Corey, who's a stupid dum 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 head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then she's like, grabs a can of soup and a bowl, and she's like, waving it around. A bowl, can. There's trouble in the Balkans. Yeah, and then she like flicks him because Which is true at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there was. Yeah, I didn't really think about mm-hmm. the, the truth of the statement that there's trouble. In the <laughs> there's trouble in the Balkans. Um, and then she flicks him like, "You're an idiot," and he's. Like, okay, okay, okay. I'll take this seriously. Yes, because this isn't butting in. <laughs> soup. Bowl. Soup. And then she waves it in a circle. Or. or bowl. Okay, soup. Okay, soup. And then she, like, grabs his head and holds it by the radio. Yeah. Where well, it's playing. And they're like, we're up to the last five callers to win a Super Bowl ticket. And Sean's like, Super Bowl tickets? Thanks to Panga. <laughs> He calls and he's caller twenty. Yeah, and he gets the chance. He gets the chance to win, and they're they're all excited and they're all jumping around. And then he's like, "Wait, I gotta do what?" <laughs> so we cut to. Oh, we also have a comedy rule of three in this, where uh, at do the, we? Yeah, w- do we really? <laughs> yes, we we do. <laughs> where Sean, when they get the assignment at first, she goes, "Thanks a lot, Topanga." Uh-huh. And he then it again, and then here he's like. Come on, Topang. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but it turns out he has to be on a billboard mm-hmm. in the... In record freezing temperatures. Uh-huh. It's like 18 degrees or something, which isn't that bad. Yeah. They just say they're like, they've been in a cold... Cold snap. Cold snap. But I mean, that's a long time. It had been like over a day. Uh-huh. Yeah, they had been up there 32 hours. Which is a very long time. I mean, I think I've told the story here. I waited for Schlotsky's to open. Mm-hmm. For like four hours, maybe. From like six to ten or something like that. And it was very cold. The day the world was supposed to end. Oh, like yeah. December 21st, 2012. 
Yeah. Sat in a lawn chair with a blanket and read Cold Days. Jim was it Cold Days? Yeah, it was Cold it Days. It would have been Cold Days at that point, yeah. Uh-huh. Which was a good one. It was. It was a cold day. You were reading Cold Days. It was perfect. You got Cinnabon. Uh-huh. And free sandwiches every week for a year. It's true. Can't beat that. Um, but it was very cold. And Bashan is very cold. And so we have a small crowd of well-wishers cheering them on. And then one guy's like, jump! And the obligatory nut job. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but then Corey, he's like, we'll get back to this as soon as we get done with this message from the Bahamas. And it's like, we, we are warm and you are cold. We, we are warm and you are cold. And Corey starts climbing up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, Sing the, along. We learned that there's three people left. Uh-huh. There's a there's a speaker up there playing that song, and Sean like kicks it off. Yeah. And then Corey comes up and he's singing that song. Sean, who is freezing. Uh-huh. So he's very. He's not dressed appropriately. He doesn't even have real like. He, he looks like his pants are just pants. Yeah. And his jacket's very thin. And his hat, which we see the hat come back again. Leather later jackets episodes. can be very warm. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what it's lined with. Uh, his doesn't seem to be lined with much, based on how cold he is. But Corey comes up and he's like, hey, coming up to encourage you, brought you some hot chocolate. Yeah. He's like, oh, thank you. And he starts to pour. And he's like, he looks over at the guy next to him who's, who's like really freezing. freezing also. And he's like, no, this is wrong. And he walks over like he's going to give it to the guy. And then he takes that drink and he goes, ah, so warm. And then the guy's just like, you know what? I don't even like football. I like billboards. And you've ruined this for me. <laughs> Which is, without a doubt, the best moment in the entire episode. Mm-hmm. MVP billboard lover guy. <laughs> just MVP this joke. <laughs> just the whole, this is be- This is wrong. <laughs> like Sean's face and Corey's like great you've got one guy left I'm so excited for you you're going to be Super in the Super Bowl, Bowl. And he's like I don't know Corey look at the other guy and Corey's like it's a redacted and Sean's like yeah he's a from the Inuit tribe him and his family come here every january for summer vacation <laughs> and then you look over and he's in a parka mm-hmm. he has an ice cream cone he's, going, he's a big guy which uh-huh. is a stereotype mm-hmm. he's like we are warm and you are cold <laughs> hey and that calls the ice cream cone up to them yeah i do want to talk about just i don't know i got on my phone i was reading on my phone earlier about the term I'm, i'll say it but eskimo <gasps> and why we aren't using that term um it is a really loaded term particularly towards people that live in the arctic regions of like alaska canada and greenland um the etymology of the term some more stuff has come to light recently where maybe the term originally in terms of its meaning isn't quite so bad but the weight that it carries behind it is and which is why we're not using it um because typically it's a term used by non-natives to refer to native people that live kind of in the Arctic region of those countries that I said. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually people thought it kind of translated to like eaters of raw meat, which sort of promotes this idea of like this barbaric sort of people, like not civilized, this other, there's othering them in a way by using this term, mm-hmm. um, which is why we don't want to use it. 
Um, the term Inuit is, I mean, they, they say he's from the Inuit tribe, but it's, it's another word that basically just means people. Um, and then Inuk is the singular there, which just means person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was reading about it and at least thinking of the etymology of the word. Because originally they thought it was from like the Latin term like excommunicati, which is like excommunicated like other uh-huh. people because they're not Christians. So they're like this other people. Um, which they don't think is quite true. It's they think it's based off this French word that I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically it means like people who have nets on their shoes because that's what the they would do to like walk through the snow is you know put on snowshoes with the nets. I don't see the word you're looking. I was reading on NPR about it, Um, but by the time that that was kind of walked back, I mean it's such such a loaded term in terms of what it means, which is why we're not using it. So it's not like anything we're just being respectful and not using a term that people don't want us to use well yes and even if it was like italians there's always italians reducing a people group and a heritage down to like obstacles in your way <laughs> it's just always gonna be that's yeah, not gonna look. be yeah that's not great like that's just not this is not the energy that any of us should bring that's why even when he was saying well, the Inuits standing in your way, it's like, well, but even that, I've just... There's always a metaphorical person coming from, uh, on their summer vacation, <laughs> standing in my way. There's always a metaphor standing in my way. There's always a vacationer standing in my way. This is not a very long article. The NPR one? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty short. Um, the French word, Eskimox. Meaning ones who wear net shoes. Eskimox. I'm saying. But that's why we're not using it. But we can move on from there. But at this point, Sean's just like, this is impossible. There's a metaphor standing in my way. Uh-huh. So he leaves. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> this guy wins. He's later on the billboard. We do want to just drive home one more time. Minority groups are not your metaphors to use. Find another one. Mm-hmm. They're not standing in your way. If anything, it's the other way around. There, Again, not reducing it to... There's always a dragon standing in my way. Dragons don't exist. You can... That you know of. You can use them as metaphors. Maybe they do exist and they're hiding <laughs> among us in plain sight, using their dragon magic to look like people. There's always a wonderful human standing in my way. Mm-hmm. Just a wonderful, fully realized, complicated person mm-hmm. in the way of everything that I want. So he turns to Corey and he's like, I never really had a chance to go to the Super Bowl, did I? And Corey, being the dumb, 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 dumb head that he is, is just like, I'll go down with you. Mm-hmm. He could be like, no, hold on. Maybe I can go talk to this guy. Yeah. like Let him know what the deal is. Why don't Why don't you go talk to him? Or I'll go talk to him. Why don't we go talk to him? Let's why don't we humanize this person? <laughs> but um, no. But Corey is an idiot. Just a person in his way. Yes. Um, so they climb down the ladder, and Sean says... This was impossible. And Corey's like, huh. And Feeney knew that. Dolt. Um, I'm just making it a point to insult Corey. Every every opportunity. <laughs> every opportunity. Corey MVP? I'm thinking not. Um, and then it cuts to the... And they go to class. Yeah. They're, class. Mr. Feeney's in class and they're like, we figured it out. Mm-hmm. You're not really wanting us to do this. You're just wanting us to pretend like we are. Like You want us to pretend like we're doing our schoolwork and care about it. Well, yeah, yeah. And Topanga's like, and I did not help them. <laughs> Which I almost feel is like she's distancing herself. Like, can't you see 
how I did not help them come up with this idea because how stupid it is. But she's excited is. for them. She's like, you see? You see how I didn't help them? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Corey's like, you didn't want us to get Super Bowl tickets. You wanted us to try. Because even though school isn't important, the second half of our senior year, we still should have tried. We should at least pretend. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, where are the Super Bowl tickets? It. Oh, you never wanted us to get Super Bowl tickets. You wanted us to try. That's what you wanted. You have no idea what I want. And he's like, get the Super Bowl tickets or fail. And then Topeka stands up, help them both or fail. Or stay out or of it. Stay out of it and fail. And then he learn, turns to Corey, help them both or fail. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So and then, then the the third thanks to Panga. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Panga. Um, and then, yeah. We're back at the billboard. We're back at the which billboard. Which now has the winner on the billboard. I'm going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's a <laughs> it's an Inuit man with an ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. And Topanga, and Topanga's like, see, I told you you'd be here. He'd be here. And you're like, no. You were waving a dollar bill and yawning. Billboard. Billboard. I don't see how it could be any more clear. I don't know why Topanga thinks charades isn't butting in, uh-huh. but it's funny. You know, whatever. Um, so they climb up the ladder and sit with Sean, who's makes a I love Lucy joke. Yes, because they're fighting, according to Panga. Yeah. She's like, Ricky, Lucy. I'm thinking up here. And he gets up there and Sean's like, there's a redacted sitting, always standing in my way. And Corey turns to Panga and she's like, one word, sounds like, and then she she just blurts out, metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> and <laughs> let's be honest, Corey probably still doesn't know what a metaphor is. It's true. I'm proud of Sean though. <laughs> yeah. Sean Sean comes up with a good good metaphor here. Not not a good object of the metaphor, but a good metaphor. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know how what's the first one he says? I don't remember. But he does talk about like growing up in the trailer park. Yeah. Everyone grew up in houses with backyards, and I grew up in a trailer park. That's a metaphor. Um, he does one first that I'm also like, oh, yeah. So we should stop calling it the redacted and start calling it the metaphor. Yes. He, he, he The first one he says is really good, too. He's like, everyone gets this, and I get that. That's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. But just anything. Anytime life has ever handed him something yeah. that no one else around him seems to be have to deal with. And as a poor person, let me tell you, there's a lot of metaphors. It's a, it's kind of like Newton's law of conservation of motion, right? Or is it an, ob- an object in motion will remain in motion? Yeah, an object rest stays or us. Like if there's stuff stacked against you, it seems like there's only more stuff stacked against you. If when it rains, it pours. If um, you have opportunities, you just tend to get more opportunities. It snowballs. Um, or Whatever the opposite of snowballing is, <laughs> depending if it's working or not. Melt. Melt. Melts. Melt exactly. is the opposite of snowballing. Um, you got to Katamari Damacy your way through. You got to. You got to work at it. So I felt Sean here as a fellow poor person. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it does. And it does. Mm-hmm. So, and then he's like, well, screw that. <laughs> he like pops up. He's like, I'm going to the Super Bowl. Like, Sean, what's your plan? He's like, I don't know, but I'm not going to let a metaphor stand in my way. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, if, be my friend and you get out of my way. Yeah, he's like, you be my friend and you get out of my way. And 
Corey's like, okay. And he's he's like, people like me don't get things handed to them. Like, we gotta go. Um, and he comes down from the ladder, and then it cuts to the the school again, where Corey's like, I failed. And he explains what we just explained, and he's like, I just let him go. I know I was supposed to help him, but I just felt like I should. He needed to move out of the way and let him do it. Yeah. And he's like, yes, I failed. And... Feeney's like, no, actually, you passed with flying colors. So did Mr. Hunter. Like, of course we did. <laughs> and you have clearly wasted your time because I comprehend nothing. <laughs> Which isn't a surprise. Yeah. Dumb, dumb. Stupid McStupid. I've already used dumb, dumb. Well, I'm, I haven't. <laughs> dumb, dumb. Um, and then Topanga talks about failing. And she says, and then Feeney's like, you yelled at me. But I'm but Mr. Mr. Feeney. Um... She didn't really yell. Yeah. She just made her point. Yeah. So the lessons they were supposed to learn are as follows. Sean needed to learn that if he wants to... Sean's lesson is a bit bigger than everybody else's. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because he learns that nothing in life is going to be handed to him. And if he's going to get it, he's going to have to take extraordinary measures. Believing that the impossible is possible to make it happen for himself. Which is... Yeah, it's a big to learn at like seventeen. <laughs> yes, it's a bit much to learn at seventeen. Um, and then Corey's lesson is that he can't always help Sean uh-huh. because I don't really know why. <laughs> yeah, or just like he needs to let let things go. Yeah, but, he's supposed to help everybody. Yeah, succeed, and he just needs to not help everybody. Like people need to do things on their own. Yeah, particularly Sean. And I guess Corey's big lesson now that I'm talking about it would more be like, you can't will Sean's future into existence. Mm -hmm. Like, he has to want his future for it. He wants to want a good future for him to get a good future. Like, it's not enough for you to want it for Mm -hmm. him. And Topanga has to be okay with failing. Yeah, okay with not being perfect. Mm -hmm. Which she says she is, but we all know the truth that she's not. Yeah, yeah. Of all of these, Topanga's turn is the most, like, abrupt. Uh-huh. Um, she just, like, gets kind of caught up in the moment of, like, lesson learning. I've mm-hmm. learned mine, too. <laughs> and then Feeney says something like, I don't know, Feeney says something like, the world is very hard out there. And I'm just like, yeah, Sean knows that. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, this isn't a mystery. <laughs> Like, yeah, okay. There's a lot of metaphors out there, Mr. Feeney. I just, I don't know, it was kind of funny. Like, he says that, and it's definitely a lesson that Corey and Topanga need to learn. But it's probably good that Sean's not there. Sean's like... He'd be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Sean's like... Dodoy. Yeah. Have you, have you met me? <laughs> I just think it's funny that Corey and Topanga get, like, the ultimate lesson in... Sean has to figure it out for himself. <laughs> um, Classic, because nothing gets handed to you, Chance, unless you're a middle-class white person. <laughs> yeah. we, nothing gets handed to people like Sean. The, the episode is actually very clear that nothing gets handed to people like Sean. <laughs> Which I know is not the point they're trying to make. They but certainly it, reinforce it. Yeah. Um, I just, I think it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because no one else needs to learn the lesson that they need to manifest their own futures. Just Sean. Just Sean. You, you, Corey's got business to fall back on. Yeah. You rich people, you'll be fine. Um, I don't know. I think it's funny. 
I, I very much enjoy this, even though the class commentary is a little like, well... Um, These metaphors, though. <laughs> and I don't just mean the specific one, I just mean in general, our metaphors are kind of not working. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so they all learn this lesson, and it ends on a freeze frame with Mr. Feeney holding both of their hands, and That's they're all smiling. Nice. Yeah, and then we have the tag at the end which sort of wraps everything up and everyone's in chubbies watching the super bowl wearing very just odd color choices uh-huh. i mean we said at the beginning that it's green bay versus and the broncos the broncos which i i don't know exactly when this episode aired it might have been before the it super bowl it was 9 days before the super bowl so they would have known i checked they would have known the teams cuz you know 2 weeks what? before but, but they would have they not when they filmed it not though, when, when they it filmed, came out right cuz they would have filmed months months ahead of that so they didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know who the last teams were going to be. Um, that's fair, that's fair. They couldn't go in and just... Why couldn't Eric just wear a shirt that says football on it? <laughs> yeah. He's wearing a blue jersey. Alan's wearing a red hat. No one else seems to be in any sort of marked attire mm-hmm. whatsoever. But they're watching the Super Bowl and they're like, Yeah, great play! And Amy, you know, stereotypical Amy and Morgan and Topanga are just like, This is terrible. If this were modern day, I'd be there with them. Like, is there anything else? <laughs> anything else we could watch? Oh, they're like, Fox is counter-programming with... Uh, family atrocities. Greatest family, family atro- atrocities. And then Alan's like, you change that channel and you'll be on that show. <laughs> Which, well, I guess they're watching it at Chubby so it could be communal. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is kind of just a funny retort. I don't think Alan's making a real threat. No, he's not. But, it, you know, it's just funny. It's it's the right thing to say in that moment. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I just think it's funny. Like, no one's saying any teams. Uh-huh. Um, and also, why are all these people in Philadelphia so into this game? Like, It's the big game, Chance. But, like, I, I don't sports, so maybe I'm missing something. But I like, feel like the Super Bowl is just sort of this community event. Like, we live in Oklahoma... We have zero stake in any game that's ever played at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But people still get together to watch it because it's just kind of this cultural moment every year that happens. But that's not necessarily what I mean. Like, yes, people get together and watch it. I, and, I, and I get that. But, like, getting really in, invested and being like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I feel like you only do that for, like, quote, unquote, your team. Maybe they're both big Packers fans. Well, in all the sports of this whole show, they never mentioned the Eagles. Yeah, they did. When uh, Feeney got Corey and Sean to come to his office so they could recount the llama incident. Oh, right. Incident. That's true. The llama incident. Um, that's right. There were some Eagles tickets at stake. Yeah. Rats. Um, never mind. So, like, the only comparison I have is college football. And, like, I've been to a few national championship watch parties. And none of them have included my team. Uh Uh-huh, the team, the the school (laughs) that you attend and that everyone at the event attended. Yeah, so it's either, like, people watching kind of passively and being like, oh, that was a good play. Or it's people, like, picking a side because they hate the other team. Well, I feel like that's generally how the Super Bowl goes, though. It's like, you just just kind of pick a team and you just sort of cheer for them. Just, just like... At random? Uh-huh. Just... I mean, you might, over the season, if you care about these things, like, know the specific players you support. Like, I, John Elway was a very well-known... Troy Aikman. ...name. So Not Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman was the Cowboys. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. So those are both, like, big names that it's like, oh, this is a person that I follow and support, like, in terms of their athletic career, 
and whatnot that I would cheer for them to like support that person. That's that's fair. Yeah, and so I don't know. I feel like the Super Bowl is different in that you know you just kind of pick a team and you cheer for them, and if you really know what's going on, you might cheer a little bit louder. <clears throat> they just seem so invested for a game that doesn't have Philadelphia in it. Yeah, I feel like it's just a cultural moment that happens every year. I suppose. I would just kind of watch it passively and be like, oh, oh there's the commercials. There's the footballs. Footballing. Mm, we always tried, this year we would try to guess what the commercials were for. Ooh. So they showed the Jurassic World commercial, but it first shows Chris Pratt riding on a dinosaur. And I was like, it's the Mario movie. Oh, no. no one really got it. <laughs> I was with the wrong audience for that. I mean, yes. Yes, you were. It would have killed if I was hanging out with you. It's true. I would have been like, it's true. He just did. Um, but yes, but then, all this to say, the play's over. They're kind of talking. And then Feeney's like, whoa. And he like stands up and they're like, Mr. Feeney, the play's over. Like, it's already happened. He's like, no, look at the boy with that sign. And mm-hmm. Apparently they linger on this boy for a long time. Yes. Because Corey's able to just read it there and he's like, the one that says, hey, Feeney, nothing's impossible. And then they get all happy and smile at each other Mm -hmm. and freeze frame. He did it. Hey, what if you only got one ticket? (laughs) Mr. Ah. Feeney said two tickets. Sean, you fail. (laughs) (laughs) Sean failed. No. Chet's, Chet's in the seat next to him. No. That's how he did it. No, Chet doesn't get to do that. It's Jack. Jack, sure. John talked to Jack, Jack's dad, probably already had some tickets. Mm-hmm. And so he just gave, gave them, them the tickets because that's the lesson Sean learned. <laughs> there's a metaphor in my way, but for rich people, there's not. So, so I'm going to use them to my advantage in order to achieve the things that I need to achieve. It's true. Lesson learned. <laughs> Thanks, Feeney. <laughs> rich people are privileged. Find rich people who are emotionally invested in me. And exploit them. I am Locke Lamora, <laughs> and you all are the people of um, You're going really Kamori. <laughs> You're the Kamori, and I'm Locke Lamora. Locke Lamora. And I'm going to take advantage of you. I'm going to fix your election. If you've never read The Lies of Locke Lamora, you owe it to yourself. It's it a is a fantastic book. One of the best fantasy novels out there. The first Lies of Locke Lamora is probably my favorite fantasy book I've ever read. It's so good. It's true. The second one I like a lot. I'm really enjoying the third one. Yeah, and the third one I like a lot as well. But there's something really special about the first one. It is. It's very magical. And not that magical. Yeah, not in the way you're thinking, <laughs> but it's just something about it. It's just like, oh, oh, this is good. Yeah. It's like fantasy realism. It's just like, feels very real. It's like, yeah, it's like fantasy. But fantastical. Fantasy reali- realism heist. Uh-huh. With a, 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 a magician. One wizard. Yeah. But he's a jerk. We hate him. It doesn't do, like, a ton. Yeah. But if you don't like seeing hear it, mm, I was going to spoil something. Anyway, let's wrap it up. That's the end of the episode. It is the end of the Sean's episode. Sean's learned to take advantage of the system in some way, we think. <laughs> Sean took advantage of the rich people in his life to get him what he needed. Uh-huh. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> All right. So there it is. Episode the, me- the metaphor. Episode thirteen, the metaphor. So, what did you rate it? Kind of still like the redacted. I think the metaphor is fun. I give it a nine. Yeah, I only take a point off for the Eric and Jack stuff, and I don't even take a point off because it's bad. I just take it off because it's not as good. Mm-hmm. I think I'm right there with you. I'd give it a nine. A nine. 
This is quintessential Boy Meets World, firing on all cylinders. If I was going to give someone one episode this season to watch so that they could learn what all of Boy Meets World is about, it would probably be this one. Mm -hmm. So far. Culturally insensitive, though normal for the time. I mean, we went to a college town where there's a restaurant called Metaphor Joe's. Yeah. Still to this day? To this day. With a very racist caricature. Yeah, I don't know how they get away with that. It is the most... It's Oklahoma and they don't care. But it's the most collected shirt in the world. Yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, that, that, that shirt is all over the world. You see it on the news sometimes in, like, foreign countries. Yeah, we saw, when I was in China, we saw someone with one. Yeah, and it's just like... Which is really bad when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's just so weird. Like, no one has made a stink like, hey, that shirt's racist. <laughs> no, you should probably change that but you know that's not what, that's not what we're here for do we do mvp next um did we did you rate it uh-huh i said i gave it a nine too okay i'm googling because hard rock hotel is probably the most collected shirt in the world or just hard rock cafe but it's up there and there's a lot less of those than there are of the hard rock cafe well yeah there's only the one uh well i'll worry about it later um but yes we do mvps next um, I would give it to Sean. Sean. It's got to be Sean. Mm-hmm. If we were doing a subcategory, it'd be a tie between I Just Love Billboards and The Inuit Man. Yeah. Yeah, really that whole group up there uh-huh. is really just... It's a I solid just the, group. the DJ guy. Uh-huh. It's pretty fun. The DJ guy, which I, I was kind of like half paying attention. And like out of the corner of my eye, I was like, wait, Eli? He kind of did have... That vibe. Yeah, he, he just had very Eli energy. Mm-hmm. Didn't look like him at all. No. But and yeah. it didn't sound like him at all. No, but it just, it's like I could see him. The in glasses, this role. the uh, mm-hmm. scarf. He's, he was clearly the Hebcat. Yeah, he was clearly the Hebcat. Um, yeah, that whole that whole crew, they're just good. And Sean's. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And then the name uh, Boy Meets. Boy meets a metaphor. Boy meets a metaphor. That's not bad. That's not bad. Boy meets failure and not failure. Boy meets the impossible question mark. Mm. Boy greets the impossible. Oh. No, it still needs to be boy meets. Boy meets billboard. I think I'm still going to go with the metaphor. Boy meets the metaphor. It works. Yes, it does. Um, so there's that. That's it. Another one done. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone, and another one gone, and another one bites the dust. I'm gonna check the Twitter to see if we have any mentions. I don't know if we do. But I do, while he's doing that, before we get to that part, we're gonna omni-slash our way into a limit break real quick. Oh. Just an update. The day after I said I started Final Fantasy X-2, I quit Final Fantasy X-2 and started playing Final Fantasy XII. He's a quitter. And I'll come back to it, but Final Fantasy XII is just the best one of all of them. And I stand by that. And it's really good, and you should play it, and the characters are great. Vaughn's real dumb, but that's good. I like him. I like I like dumb Vaughn. It's one of the only ones I've never finished. It's real intriguey. Lots of, like, empire and politics and stuff. And kind of this little ragtag group sort of stuck in the middle of it all. Yeah, I feel like... Well, I don't feel like... 1, 3, and 12 are the only ones I never finished. I finished 1. I never finished 3 because 3 is kind of dumb. And that there's no save points in a dungeon. And the final dungeon is very long. But if you die to the boss, which is very easy to do, you have to do the whole thing again. You played 3 when it came out on 3DS? Or the, uh-huh. the, the DS? 
Yep. Just never had it. Never had it. I've never three is actually the only Final Fantasy mainline game I've never played. Well, until fifteen, and I never will play fifteen because it's. I trash. feel like I would give it another try. I feel like people are coming back around on it. Oh, see, I still feel like I feel like I feel like this with a lot of things. I feel like this with the very first Star Wars prequel as well. I feel like when people are really hyped and anticipate something, they like lie to themselves for several years to say that they enjoyed it. No, I feel like it was very much, we don't like this. See, people didn't like the ending, but people praised the rest of 15. And then slowly over a year, it was like, no, 15 is bad. And I feel like it's pretty much stuck there. I don't think, I feel like people are kind of coming back around on it. They've made a lot of changes. It's a game that they updated a lot. I know they updated the ending a lot, but like the brain dead combat is still in it. They have made it where you can change party members and be the different people, though. I didn't know you couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But I just know, like... I didn't think it was that brain dead. I thought it was fun. It was enjoyable. Oh, Cameron. Oh, Chance, you never even played it. So don't even... Don't even. Well, no, they've proved you can beat the entire game with one button. Well, why not? <laughs> Welcome to the Atari. Did you hear people complain about it back then? No. Um, and then the biggest complaint always has been that... Most of the lore for the game isn't found in the game. That is true. It's like, watch this movie, play yeah. this little side-scroller beat-em-up. Um, it was like a multimedia experience. I thought 15 looked bad. Not like graphics-wise, just like engine and story-wise. And I thought the gameplay looked shallow and superficial. Like Eric. Oh, stupid and superficial. And I just didn't. I was not interested in it. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about 12, because 12 is really good. It, I need to play 12 at some point. I got probably halfway through 12. There was just a very long section of walking, and I wasn't all that invested in what was going on. You're walking and fighting. Yeah, I don't really remember the part. It has a system in it of doing like hunts where you're going after kind of tougher monsters yeah. around the world which I think is really fun and engaging like last night that's all I did I just looked at my hunt list and kind of went and did them all some of them were much harder than others but I pulled it off there you go I usually in the thing I think I've one time used a summon but I had to use one to beat one of those hunts and it was pretty fun it's different because in every other Final Fantasy, you know, you have like Ifrit and Shiva and Rama and Odin and all of those normal summons, but those are actually airships in the world, and the summons are actually different. Interesting. So right now I just have Belias the Gigas, who's like this fire warrior. Interesting. Sort of like Ifrit, but different. I have vague memories of this, but not... Yeah, it's, it's fun. Much. I like it a lot. I do remember my favorite part about the game, because the license board was very different when it first came out and i just remember i was really struggling with a boss maybe about a third of the way through the game there's just this really hard boss and i was really struggling so i made vaughn like i basically stripped him of all of his licenses and i rebuilt him to focus entirely on guns and items and i was very happy because i had made a chemist from tactics from tactics i'd made the main <laughs> character and i was like I want the chemist from Tactics to be a main character in a game. Yeah, I mean, and they've redone the license board where there's yeah, specific I, classes. So it's like Fran is a, a machinist, so she has guns and does items, but she's also a red battle mage too, so she can do some magic. But she usually just stands back with a shotgun and just... Really? I always thought of her as like white magic and arrows. Kind See, of she like- is... That's how they always showed her. 
but in terms of the actual game, she's like the worst archer. Interesting. Didn't her, know. her battle animation of using the bow is like the longest one. Hmm. I, I always gave her... And her damage output isn't very good, but with a gun it doesn't matter. What's her face from 4 was the was an archer white mage. And she was one of my favorite characters in 4. Yeah, what's her face? You really loved her. I'm trying to remember her name. I actually just put her on my team for that Twitter mm-hmm. poll. Yes, I saw that. That I invented. What was her name? It's unimportant. Yeah. So, in my mind, Fran was just her, so that's how mm-hmm. I kept her. But you should play Final Fantasy XII. You should listeners should it's very good with the exception of both the year i've never cared about the characters as much as oh you. i love them all they're I know all great do. i knew bosh captain bosh von ronsenberg of dalmasca yes he's 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 cool what's the is it her name ash mm-hmm. i don't even remember her deal she has the worst outfit we can look at it later it's really bad so do we have any listener messages no we, we just uh we're keeping our old logo i think i said that last time but i'm gonna say it one more time mm-hmm. you did say that um that's pretty much it nice well you heard it here that's pretty much it i want to say thanks to dizzy parker for the use of our theme song you can find the video that it comes from in the um, episode's description there will be a link and you can hear it and find all of his other wonderful stuff from there so thank you dizzy you can follow us on social media at bg world fever at on twitter or on instagram or send us an email to bgworldfever at gmail.com and we'll read it on the show if you have any feedback any thoughts on tacos french restaurants metaphors do you prefer a soup or a bowl soup or bowl let us know we'd love to hear from you I was trying to see if I could see our reviews on Spotify, but I can't. So bummer. What is? I guess this just means we have a perfect five star rating. Yeah, we do. Well, touching. Don't know oh, how I made a money sounds. But rate us on Spotify. Rate us on Apple. Rate us anywhere you We're coming for you, Joe Rogan. Know to rate us. Um, tell us on Twitter if you want to see Super Bowl World Fever. Please say no. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody wants that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we love interacting with you guys. We love getting your emails, all that. Yeah. So that's all I've got. That's all I've got. So from all of us here at Boy Meets World Fever, so long world. So long world. When this boy meets world.